You're listening to Secrets of Data Analytics Leaders. Welcome to Secrets of Data Analytics Leaders. This is your host, Kevin Petrie. Today, we explore the critical and challenging role of the Chief Data Officer. CDOs first appeared in enterprise organizations after the Sarbanes-Oxley Act became law in the United States in 2002 in order to improve corporate governance controls. CDOs started with a trickle, but have since become a flood, now populating more than two-thirds of large enterprises, according to a recent survey by New Vantage Partners. The modern CDO, sometimes called a chief analytics officer or chief data and analytics officer, addresses a lot more than compliance. This individual owns the creation of value from data across the organization, building a central data strategy to help shape business strategy. The CDO also seeks to create a data-driven culture and increase data literacy. While reporting structures vary by organization, CDOs often have hardline or dotted line responsibility for BI, analytics, data quality, data governance, MDM, and compliance activities. Today, we have the good fortune to speak with Joe Dos Santos, newly minted CDO for the data and analytics software vendor Click, about this dynamic role. Joe brings an unusual mix of experience in his field. He led EMC's analytics consulting organization, the data strategy for TD Bank, and most recently, the data governance product strategy for Click. I've worked with Joe in two of those roles, and I'm looking forward to his insights today. Joe, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Good to be here. So, Joe, tell us about the evolution of your career, the perspective you've acquired, and what prompted you to take on this new challenge? Great. So I, I started my career as a consultant um, at Anderson Consulting, now Accenture. And my um, during the 90s, the real thing to do was to implement ERP systems, and my career was no exception. So I was in the business of making sure all those transactions went through with with purpose, with speed, with reliability. And then as we started to realize, um, you couldn't actually make sense of what had just happened. And so we and our organization started to shift to how do we start to understand uh, the, the nature of what's happening in our business, which really was the beginning of data warehousing. So I kind of shifted into that and started to realize that we had actually a really key problem, which was around master data management. We couldn't create views of customer. We couldn't create views of product. And without those, all the analytics that we tried to do would just flop on their face. So I took a little bit of a detour and went to a fledgling software company, Cyperion, uh, which is now the uh, the backbone of the Informatica Master Data Management platform, and really got to understand the technical approaches to Master Data Management. So that was great. I went back into consulting. I went back at uh, as a consultant for EMC. And uh, then what happened is the ground started to shift beneath our feet, and it really became all about big data. And so we built a consultancy around how to uh, execute in big data. But what we discovered was there was a real problem between people who used to work in data who really understood about what does the data mean? How do you build semantics around it? How do you talk about data and the value to something that was much more technical? So big data people tended to be people who understood MapReduce and Spark and Hadoop and these different constructs. And so we made a consultancy about trying to bridge that gap between data knowledge and technology knowledge. And then an opportunity opened up at TD Bank for me to actually put my money where my mouth was and own one of those technology deployments. So I was the enterprise information management technology lead at TD Bank. And in that capacity, I rolled out the data lake and tried to you know, put all those concepts together. How do you have a data governance program? How do you have a glossary and metadata and quality rules 
within the construct of a big data footprint. So that was really great and a really good experience. This new role at Click allows me to combine both the technical parts of that role, but also the business role. And at the end of the day, no one really cares about how much data you're stockpiling, regardless of how much people say about data is the new oil. They want to know what you're going to do with respect to analytic value. And so right now I own both the, the technological enablers, but also the business alignment. How do, we do, how do we agree as an organization what functions we want to drive? How do we want to deploy analytics to support that? And then how do we drive data to make that, um, to provide the foundation for those analytics? So it's a much more holistic look at this, and I'm really excited about this new role. So you've charted an intriguing course through the data industry. You started with MDM, um, Aaron Neville, involving much more into big data and taking on the more holistic responsibilities, as you described. Tell us more about how your industry experiences are shaping your charter and objective and priorities as CDO of Click. Sure. We have a, a concept that we talk about with clients about how things have evolved in the data management space over the past 20 years. If you were having this conversation in 1995, you would have a conversation around data warehouses and a project would look like something where you'd spend three months creating requirements documents. They would then be turned into IT projects and budgeted, and there'd be a warehouse that would be created that, you know, a year would go by and maybe that would not meet your needs. We call that generation one. Um, there was a lot of uh, frustration, obviously, about how that worked, which gave a voice to this rebellion uh, of people that wanted to just go ahead and do their own analytics outside of what IT wanted them to or controlled. And so board worked tools like Click like Tableau, uh, where people really wanted to, to grab data themselves and derive value. And that was really quite powerful for enabling people to do their own work. But it really started to mean that that all of those the work that we had done to create this version of truth for people started to go by the wayside. People started to have their own uh, customer counts, their own revenue numbers, their own kind of slicing and dicing of that. So that was liberating, but at the same time frustrating. We believe that it's time for people to usher in this third generation, which is about the governance of data, meaning that we want to have the ability to make sure that we're clear around what data means, where it came from, who can have access to it, what do these metrics mean, who's responsible for that. So really governed on the back end with a lot of flexibility on the front end where you, you can start to take that data and do dynamic things. And if you're data literate, we, we can start to consume that data and do magical things with it. So we call that the third generation. So my mandate is to bring about a third generation data strategy here at Click. One that focuses on aligning business people uh, to, to align around business value, start to get our arms around governing data in a centralized kind of way with, uh, with a way that gets the business motivated to rally behind it, and also in a way that creates opportunity for the business to consume it with interesting tools to conclude interesting things that really drive our business. So Click, no doubt, affords you a unique vantage point as a provider of data visualization data integration and governance solutions. Give us an inside view of Click's operations and what you want to change. Yeah, so we, we have, uh, as you might imagine at Click, a lot of people who are able to take data and use it for good. So we have a lot of data literate people that use the Click platform in very powerful ways. Uh, what we need to do is to start to, to create alignment around that, to make sure that people can capitalize on the data from organization one to create meaning in organization two. So are we doing the right things in sales that create a data structure that's understandable to people who are trying to do service delivery? 
or renewal work or different things like that. So it's a question of making sure that we're evolving from what we think is kind of generation two heroism. We have a lot of people who do data heroics. Uh, lots of systems, our, our system landscape is, is actually fairly uh, well put together. We, we don't have 65 different sales organizations, sales forces, we have one. Um, so we, we have a systems that generate that data. So what we're trying to do is to, to say, you know, as we create these data assets, how do we label them? How do we organize them? How do we create an organization that's meant for reuse of data, not just creation of data because I'm a data hero, right? And that's an interesting um, cultural transition because we want to encourage people to experience this really positive energy of creating something new. At the same time, we don't want them wasting their time recreating the wheel. We want people collaborating. We want people to be able to capitalize on the things that came before them. And a lot of times what happens in an organization where you have data heroics is the same people create different versions of the same thing tens of times. And so that's the culture that we need to overcome. One that kind of is, is emphasizing that, that self-sufficiency of going to find your data, but balances that with, with the idea of collaboration across different teamworks and, and really kind of rallying around things that are that have to be the same uh, for us to run our business. Um, there's a there's kind of a, an interesting kind of idea of, you know, sometimes fast wins the day. If I want to know, for instance, what happened to my marketing campaign last night, what I really want to do is to have somebody who's really data literate, who can go grab data, who can go figure something out and create interesting insight. And that's actually something that we culturally are quite good at. If you want to do something that's carefully curated, if you want to start to understand the impacts across different organizations, if you want different heroes to work together, that that's something that's cutting across our culture. And that's actually where I'm spending most of my time and energy with, with business people trying to align their interests and, uh, and kind of align them against how do we start to tackle some of our bigger, more collective problems. No doubt your role will also include teaching best practices to click customers and how to use click offerings. So two obvious areas of focus for you would be data ops and data literacy. Uh, so Joe, tell us what you want to teach customers about those topics. Kevin, you're absolutely right. Part of my job description is going to be to act as an evangelist to the Click customers about how to ideally use Click technologies in their data landscape. And so some of it will be about how do we think about uh, integrating different kinds of data sets using our technology and capitalizing on cataloging and, and analytics. That's certainly true. But as you mentioned, part of this is around business alignment, around a methodology that people can see themselves in. So we want to create a, an affirmative place that people can create sandboxes. Um, we want to make sure that there's a discovery. Uh, we, we, have, we define data literacy as being able to read, work with, analyze, and argue with data. Right? And, and that is an important definition because you're effectively, those definitions start to say that there's no truth at this point. I really want to discover and analyze and, and wallow in data to figure out something meaningful. And then there has to be something that causes us to realize that this insight is so valuable that we want to put it to work for us, for ourselves. And that work, that putting to work could be in a next best decision uh, action in our website. That could be in a chat bot. That could be in a chart. That could be in a predictive algorithm. And so one of the things that we're looking to do is to make sure that, that there's clarity around how do you capitalize on data literacy, but also constantly and always with the intent of putting that insight that you've created to work to derive some value and knowing the difference. 
just knowing something doesn't necessarily make it production uh, quality, doesn't necessarily make sure that you've dealt with all the data quality issues that are in the system. So we're, now what we're working through is a data ops methodology that helps combine those. It helps connect the world of discovery to the world of operationalization, to the world of measurement. And that's how we think about it. How do you, how do you encourage this data literate workforce to go find something new and interesting? How do you make that, that interesting insight world-class with repeatable operationalization of the data assets and the data pipeline and the analytics pipeline? And then how do you actually start to measure what's happened to confirm that it's actually delivering the value that you thought it would and take corrective action, either by eliminating the analytic or changing the data flow or doing something accordingly? That's the challenge that we have in front of us. And, and that is, you know, as, as somebody who's responsible for talking to our customers about that, I'm hoping to, you know, as somebody that's walking in the same shoes as they are, to be able to be really realistic and practical about how hard that is to do when you're really trying to change the, the minds of people who have been doing certain data things uh, for decades in the way that they're accustomed to. Excellent. So data and analytics roles continue to arise and evolve. And CDO roles vary quite a bit by organization. What are your specific responsibilities and touch points with other executives? And how will you influence click strategy and operations? That's a good question. So I think that the first order of business is that the organization has to rally behind things that matter. You know, so if you think about Click's business, we, we are in the middle of a transition from perpetual license to subscription business. We are migrating our, our business from an on-prem oriented one to SaaS. And, and the way we think about our business is really important. In many respects, that is a strategic goal that is engineered by the chief strategy officer or the chief executive officer. And, um, and so the, the first interlock is right there. What is it that we care about and what is it that we want to know that's going to bend our business? So if you kind of think about that, we really care deeply and passionately about our customer data, for instance, or our existing license data, creating 360 degree views. And that is our North Star, right? So, so that's interlock number one. So, so then interlock number two is if we want these data assets and these analytics, we need to have propensity modeling. We need to have customer hierarchies. We turn to IT and start to say, we need, we need exhaust from our transactions that gives us the information that we need here. And that started to help us take a look at what kind of data is inside of an opportunity in Salesforce, for instance or what kind of uh, data that we're collecting with respect to telemetry at the time of somebody creating a digital order. And so our, where we lock arms with IT is with the impact to the systems that are generating that data. In my particular case, I have responsibility for the technology part of data delivery. In some organizations, I know that that's part of IT as well, but that's an important lockstep point as well. We need to start to think about what is the process by which I'm going to capitalize on this data? And then what data architecture do I need to deliver that? And so that's conventionally where COOs come into place. We have a business process we need to manage. And this is the how part. And we need to make sure that those analytics are delivered to the right person at the right time to catch a decision in the, in the act of it being made and to change the outcome of that decision. So that is uh, where that interlock uh, will go. In, my, in our particular organization, I report up into the chief technology officer. And that's an interesting role because at Click, we are also trying to make sure that the things that we do within the CDO's organization as an analytics company become part of hardening our product line. And so there's a direct correlation between how uh, what we do 
for our internal customers should be a model for how we support our external customers. I think that's a little bit unique. So I think interacting with the with the chief executive, with the direction, interacting with the um, with the COO organization for understanding how uh, something will be done, interaction with the CIO organization to make sure that the technology and the applications are in place to provide the maximum value from all those. And I think those are the the key inter- interlocks. What I'll say is below the executive line, though, there's a lot of work that, that we need to do to align people around how do we think about building methodologies. So I'm the leader of legal, I'm the leader of risk, I'm the leader of, of sales. How do we all come together and make sure that we use the same words when we talk about something? And that's um, an alignment part that is equally important to the executive alignment. The executive alignment makes sure that we have a language that, that tells everybody that we, we know that when we do this, we're delivering value that matters to our senior executives. That's critical. But there's another part that is in the how, which is when we use the word account versus the word customer versus the word logo, that has meaning for us. And we need to make sure that we speak with the same language and that we have the right methodology for approaching the work that we do and talking to each other as we cross across boundaries. And so that is where I've been spending a lot of my time is getting the the leaders of business to align around terminologies, definitions, and process so that we can deliver against the promises that we're making to the executives. Joe, let's revisit MDM uh, briefly here. Earlier in your career, you focused on master data management in a very different world, a more data warehouse oriented world. The challenges of master data management and business glossaries have evolved a fair amount since then. Tell us about your approach to these concepts as CDO. Yeah, I think that there's an interesting maturity that an organization needs. If you, in the age of data warehouses, there was this idea of source of truth, right? There can be only one definition of what a customer is. And once big data came along and once people really started to explore, it became almost impossible to hold that together. And I think that that's been replaced by a concept of, if I use a word, you should at least know what I mean. So if I say, if if I ask you how many children you have, um, you understand what that means. And and below the covers of that, you've made certain definitions. It's not necessarily how many people you live in your house. It's uh, your de- dependents, right? Um, and that is not always true in the concept of uh, your work data. And so if I ask even how many orders did we have? And, and well, I have to count it this way. What was our bookings and revenue? There are different ways to describe that. And so in a world in which data exists in applications, largely to fulfill whatever is required for that application to work, when it comes together, we just need to make sure that if it doesn't mean the same thing, that we're able to translate. So, and that, you know, in our particular case, there's a very important distinction between a perpetual license and how that is managed from a sales and financial point of view versus a subscription license. And the impact of that is we need to make sure that we have language that helps us describe uh, clearly what that means. So if we want to use a word like booking, that has to have a very specific meaning. Um, And revenue has to have a very specific meaning. And sometimes, like in the case of revenue, that's really, uh, that's that's defined for you by by legislation, regulation, etc. But for sure, if we have a goal, for instance, in sales, that says we need to attract new logos. I don't know what that means necessarily. Is a logo the same as a customer? Is a logo the same? What about something like Berkshire Hathaway that has a holding company for different kinds of things, right? So it's important that we just align around the words without forcing people to 
agree on, on physical models and constraints and introduce IT in a way to make everybody agree. This isn't a Stalinist government where we force everybody for the same to get to the same answer. It's a way where we introduce the same assumptions and the same data so that intelligent people can conclude things that are appropriate with the right kind of description that goes with it to explain what they mean when they say that. I think I think that's a fairly mature way of thinking about um, data. So let's revisit the topic of data literacy. How do you define data literacy and how does data literacy done well uh, look like? Is everyone reaching the same conclusions? Yeah, so Click is, is in fact really interested in the role of data literacy. We have uh, a person who is out there, Jordan Morrow, who is our, our chief data literacy advocate. We've introduced data literacy services to help people get um, to get literate. First, let's define it. So in order to kind of get good at something, you need to define it. We define it as being able to read, work with, analyze, and argue with data. So the one that I always think is the most interesting and provocative is argue with. So in a world in which you're arguing with data, you're not arguing about the data. You're arguing about the conclusions of that data. And I think that's a really powerful distinction. In our personal lives, we, we are often looking at the same facts and draw different conclusions about what kind of car we want to drive, um, where we want to live, and all these different things. And there's, there's a way that we're using uh, data to analyze those different decisions that we make in our everyday life. And we're trying to make sure that people are comfortable with that as well. So if, if somebody is making a position that they should uh, move headquarters to a different city, or they should acquire a company or different things, they should be able to make that case by arguing with data. I wrote a blog recently that was called, in data, sometimes truth is just an opinion. Sometimes the facts can't be altered. There is, in fact, an unequivocal source of truth. You can't go to your CEO and say, we think that revenue last year was last year was uh, 10 billion, maybe 20, hard to tell. That's an inexcusable, irresponsible reaction, right? Um, but if you say, what is the most important thing that is making our customers buy our products? That is a deep analysis that can have multiple conclusions. And what you really want to do is to foster an environment where people feel empowered to bring their opinions to the table based on the fact. Well, I find that there's a 75% correlation that when people go to this marketing show and then click on this website, that they are in fact going to close the deal. Well, actually that's fine, but I found that actually something completely different, there's an 80% correlation of being called directly by a sales rep and you get the idea. So what we're looking to do is to make sure that there is capacity in our organization in this discovery phase. Encourage this idea of discovery, go find something interesting in the data. Um, and I mentioned this before, We there has to be an important distinction between finding something interesting and then putting an agreement, a contract with your business in place that you're going to get that insight every minute, every day, every month, et cetera. So, so we're very big advocates around data literacy. And we also are trying to balance that with the idea of there's a difference between analytical literacy for the production of an insight and the act of, of bringing that insight to life in a periodic basis to drive the business. So Joe, the CDO is one of many roles that are evolving pretty quickly to answer modern data and analytics requirements. As you execute your job, as you evangelize data literacy and rethink Click's approach to things, how do you see various data and analytics roles shaping up in the new decade? There are people who need to be in the business of data production, and then there are people that need to be in the, in the business of data consumption. And I think that that distinction is really important because 
in many organizations, it's blurry, right? You have people that just go grab data, they do what they can with the data, they put it in an Excel spreadsheet and off they go. And what we think is in a grown-up company, the roles in a, in a data production organization are who's responsible for uh, organizing data, tagging it, and, and labeling it. So there's kind of a metadata activity. I mentioned that we have to have common language. Well, who, who gets to decide? Who gets to decide that this is a term that means this and that there, there are certain protections in that data that these kinds of people can have access to it? So there's kind of a, a governance role uh, there. And then there's also kind of a hands-on keyboard role. Now, as we start to think about the connection to that data literacy part that you were talking about, we need to start thinking about what kinds of people are going to be able to access that data. And we, generally speaking, tier them into three different categories, from the ability to, to consume simple kinds of data all the way to the most complex. So at the simplest level, you need your, your business executives to be able to slice, dice, and analyze data and ask intelligent questions of that data to make sure that there's conclusions. There's very little math involved. It's more, can I read a chart? Can I understand what this means? Do I understand the facts and the dimensions of these, of these data so that I understand how to make my next decision? So that's kind of part number one. Number two is that the role of the business analyst needs to evolve to be something that is uh, the ability to wallow in data, the ability to explore, find co correlations between different insights. Uh, dynamically create different kinds of things. And I would say that this is not necessarily going to be, you know, hardcore math, but really based in the world of business instinct. And the, and the skills of a, of a business analyst, I think, are going to be the one that need to grow the most over the next five years, where there's going to be this kind of blend of part Sherlock Holmes and part uh, business analyst. There needs to be curiosity. There needs to be the ability to, to wallow in data and understand it and produce some business insights. And then the third, of course, is a data scientist, where you know, now all of a sudden what we're talking about is the ability to really go to granular levels to deploy machines and machine learnings to augment the capability of discovering of these insights. So this is a skill that is going to be much more technological, much, much more uh, mathematically oriented, and it should be certainly kind of at the pointed at the key uh, problem statement. So I kind of think about that as you know, there might be only a handful of data scientists that have the skill to pull this off and as a result should be pointed at the most complex types of situations where you're really trying to squeeze out that extra penny per transaction, that extra 1% turnover, right? Um, and uh, whereas the, the role of the business analyst, which is going to be much more ubiquitous in the organization, there's going to be a lot more people that have that role, will have to, to stretch to, to take on some of those learnings of the data scientist and be more effective. So that's kind of how we've stratified our business. And we think about those as personas as we're trying to deliver something to them. What is something that they have the capability to absorb? Uh, data literacy is nice in theory. We're trying to get everybody to be literate, but that doesn't mean that everybody's going to become a data scientist. What it really means is that you want to have every single person in their position be 10% better at being able to work with data in a meaningful kind of way to draw uh, important decisions. Joe, this was educational as always, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Kevin. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you want more content from business intelligence to data management to data science, browse to the Eckerson Group website at eckerson.com.